I am a terrible dancer too, but I don't mind it. So You're not- a sexy dancer, I guarantee you. You shake your booty. Yeah, no, things things move and shake that shouldn't shake, but I still do it. So. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery suspense and thriller writers, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Douglas Pratt, how are you? I am fabulous, Nicholas Harvey. How are you today? (laughs) I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. So how's the weather out in a sunny Southern California? It rained the other day. Oh, no. (laughs) No one knew what to do. They were all right, standing around looking at each other, looking up at the skies, like, what's going on? What is this water this is from a strange the sky? phenomenon. Yeah. We actually had a day of, of rain, but otherwise it's been absolutely beautiful. It's um, chilly at night in the bus because the bus has, like, zero insulation, so it's uh, a tad chilly and uh, beautiful during the day. We've been getting up in the 70s. You guys snuggle with your lovely wife then. I do, yeah, and she's, she's a little heater, so uh, that's handy. Do we have a listener question? We do have a listener question this week, and it comes from Joan in New York. Hi, Joan. Yes. How you doing, Joan? She asks, would you rather spend an evening dancing with a stranger, debating your least favorite subject, or walking uphill on a treadmill with nothing to watch or listen to? <laughs> Joan sounds a little bit like a masochist to me. <laughs> This is choosing the least bad, right? That's what she's we're doing. Like, she's like, I'm, I'm making plans to invite y'all over, and I want to know what you want to do. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you get, get Joan's house. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. So. Dentist or colonoscopy? <laughs> Depends on how much I've had to drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate dancing. I'm a very self-conscious. I feel, I feel the majority of the male species dances for one reason, and so once you've attached yourself to, to, to that reason and I'm married, then there's no reason to dance anymore. There's but, no uh, river. I mean, I hope your wife doesn't like to dance. So. My wife loves to dance and she's a, she's a great dancer. So I look like the uh, gangly white guy next to the uh, really good uh, sexy dancer. So yeah, I know I'm ruling out the dancing, debating your least favorite subject. You know, it used to be a time where I would uh, welcome a solid debate over, over things and these days, I, I'd rather pass. I just don't want I, I, I'm not going to change your mind. You're probably not going to change my mind. So what the hell's the point? So I'm going to walk uphill on a treadmill with nothing to watch or listen to. That'll be boring, but it'll be, uh, at least I'll be getting some exercise. That's fair. Okay. Well, I will, let's see, backing up, like how long are we going to be walking on the treadmill? I mean, they, they don't give a time frame, So that could be like a five minute thing. I don't mind that. Do, no, it's going to be longer than that. You got to do an hour on the treadmill. I mean... I guess that's not terrible. Oh, you've been, you're a little stud muffin these days. You've been uh, exercising like crazy. Exercising, not treadmill stuff though. But I have started tiny bits of running like at the end of my exercise, but I digress. So I'm going to go back to saying, well, I I agree with you. I enjoy arguing a lot, but (laughs) the fact is nowadays people are, the stupidity level of so many people has (laughs) risen. You sound like me. It makes it hard. It, I mean, it, it does. It's, it makes it hard to argue with people because you're like, oh, my gosh, you believe in a flat earth. Where can I go with that? You know, it's <laughs> it's too much. So I'm going to probably skip that one. I am a terrible dancer, too, but I don't mind it. 
and dance with strangers. I like talking to people. So you're a sexy dancer. I guarantee you, you shake your booty. Yeah, no things things move and shake that shouldn't shake, but I still do it. So, (laughs) all right. Let's uh, move on to our interview. We have a delightful lady, Audrey Cole, who uh, hit the big time with her Thriller, the pilot's daughter, a few years back, and she's had uh, big smashes with uh, her uh, standalones that she's put out since. So let's uh, chat with Audrey. So welcome to the show, Audrey. Glad to have you on with us finally. So, Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here chatting with you guys today. This is going to be the best show ever because it's been a long time coming and you had some stuff and then we had some stuff and uh, it's great to finally have you on the show. So thank you. Yes, I'm glad that we can make it work. Cool. So give us a, a quick kind of synopsis of uh, your how you became a writer. And Well, I started as a nurse, so which really had nothing to do with fiction writing. That, well, that led you right into it then. Yes. So... <laughs> And uh, but I always wanted to be a writer, but it always felt uh, more of like a dream or like it could be a hobby or, you know, maybe someday I'll, I'll write a book for my family or uh, something. And I got an idea from a true crime, a um, convicted killer in Oregon who was on death row and he wanted to donate his organs after he was executed. And it was in the news because of the ethics involved. They ended up denying him that privilege because they and, and there was ethics about the state executing him and then using his organs for good. There was a whole bunch of issues and I just found it really interesting and it, it triggered a thought in my mind about what if someone that you cared about got like a vital organ from a serial killer or a, you know, how it just started this seed in me. And so I started writing my first book from the point of view of a wife whose husband has a stroke at a very young age and gets this experimental brain cell transplant. And they end up learning that it was from a serial killer who was executed. And and it goes from there. But so it took me, it took me a few years. And then I had the opportunity to go to Australia as a nurse while I was writing the book, but it took me a few months to get my nursing license transferred. So I moved, but I didn't start work for about three months. And that was when my book I was able to get it to the point of maybe 50,000 words. And I thought, okay, this could actually maybe, maybe I could finish this someday maybe. And, um, and then it grew from there. So my first book took me years. It was a slow process of getting the story out. I knew nothing. I probably did everything wrong and how you wrote the story. And then eventually went to some writing conferences, got an editor, and finally then self-published it in 2017. But I, I think it was probably three years I worked on that book. And is that the beginning of the, you did a series to start with, right? I did, yes. Yes, so that was called The Recipient, that book, and that was the first book of a um, five-book Emerald City thriller series, yes. So then I just kept writing after that. Once I knew I could do it, I just, I couldn't stop after that. That's funny, because some people, it's the, uh, find that the second book is like, oh, you did this mammoth task on the first one, and uh, and now the second one, it's like, ooh, daunting. And other people are like, oh, I know what to do now. It's crazy. For me, I wrote the second one, like the first one took, well, actually it took about seven months, but I was working full time. And then the second one, I had had a block of time and I wrote it in like five weeks. And then I was kind of like, wow, I just did that. I guess I got to do that again now. I am so impressed when people say that. I don't know about you, Doug, but I don't think I've ever beaten about six months. <laughs> a I, I have done one. I, I, one year I did NaNoWriMo and did I did a book in a month. And and so I did do that one, 
and that was when I was working full time. Now I just started one that I am going to attempt to finish by De- December 31st. It probably won't happen, but I'm going to attempt to just so I can get back on. I because I got off of my schedule. So you guys both write fast. Then do you feel like when you write fast, there's more editing or no? Oh, that's you know. Should there be more editing? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah. Should, should there or is there? I, I don't. I edit, I edit as I go. I'm actually a I'm a slow writer. Actually, in typing. So I like I type really slowly, which works because my brain works really slowly. So it takes me a long time, but I'll do 2,000 words a day. But it'll take me eight hours to get those normally. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes two and a half hours. But a lot of the time, it'll be spread over at seven or eight hours or more. Yeah, mine's more like I do about 2,000 words a day. But yeah, I do. I also edit as I go. So like I try to edit every day. Like when you get through to start the next day, I try to jump in and start editing again. Yeah, read read the prior chapter that you wrote the previous day. Kind of go through, do little ed- edits, and then move on. Mostly because I hate editing, and if you get to the end, I'm like, I hate oh, it. such a monumental task to yes. go through the whole book. My yes. read through, yeah, I do a read through at the end, which is my major editing before I send it to my editor, and uh, I hate doing it. I don't know why. I, it's a mental block I have now because I've decided somewhere along the line that I hate doing it. So now I don't look forward to it at all, and I actually don't mind it when I'm actually doing it. Yeah, I've started doing that that same thing where you kind of come in and and see what you've written, you know, the day before, read that previous chapter. And I feel like the, the other thing for me is it just pulls me back into the story and I kind of gets your mind back in that place, which is good. And then by the end of that, you're kind of already back into your story and you can keep writing. I just recently did that. I heard that on a podcast with J.D. Barker and R.L. Stein that they do that. And I have just started. I used to just kind of try to pick back up where I, I left off and not look at it. But I feel like the other thing for me is that that helps me just get your get back into the story. Yes. Yeah. Especially sometimes. Uh, well, Nick and I just we had a book come out together that we were writing on the side of what we were writing our regular stuff. So we were bouncing between manuscripts. And so trying to remember, you've got kids. Can't even remember my kids' names, much less my characters' yeah. names. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it that just jumped out of a plane? Oh, that was the other book. Damn it. <laughs> oh, well, see, I write in first person. So Nick kept having to change it and fix mine where I'd switch, uh, <laughs> I'd switch POVs back to first oh, that's person interesting. because I forget that I was, which one I was work, working on. So Yes, I'm doing that now where I'm, I don't normally write two books at a time, but I have been, and one is in present tense and one is in past tense. Oh, and I find that oh. when I switch, I'm writing in that old, that other tense for a couple pages before I go, oh, I do wait. that without <laughs> having to switch back and forth. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the tenths I couldn't do. I write one series in first person, one in third, and I'm okay with that. But changing that tense, oh my gosh, that would really mess me up. Yes, especially going back and forth. I find that you start, you almost start thinking in that tense. And so when I switch to another book, I'm still writing in that tense. It takes me a little bit to go back and fix that. Yeah, it's weird. We've done some other collaborations with other tropical authors too. And my character, I write in first person can't be first person in the collaborations because it's written in third person. So that's really weird. When I write Nora in third person, I keep slipping and I have to go I back bet. through and double yes. check. Because that's such a different feel when you're writing and you're in their head in first person to have to step back and write it in third person, I bet. Well, it's feels- interesting also like how you what you can do 
uh, and I, I try to explain that to people sometimes is how you, how you can the book can read in first person versus third person because of my main book is always in first person, so I get a lot of um, a lot of opportunity to have his thoughts and stuff. But also, he knows things that he doesn't know. Other things he doesn't know who the killer is. That kind of thing. So you can kind of leave some open things there. So yes, I have never done a first person book. I don't think. They're fun because you're you're really in their head at that point. It's it's really fun to do those. It's nice to do the multiple POVs. Like I just wrote one that I think it reads faster with the multiple POV because you're bouncing back and forth. But it's also kind of nice to have that really in the eyes of the main character feel. So now, so you got going. You had your Emerald City thrillers rolling. You had your first book, and then. Well, at what point did you write Pilot's Daughter after you were done with that series or during you were still working on the series? Yes. Yeah, so it was after that series. So I published those five books. I think my pace was about one a year publishing those books. So I think I had one year where I got two out, but otherwise it was about one a year. And then I published The Pilot's Daughter in 2020, I believe. And that book just took off. Before that, I had self-published. Each one did maybe a little better than the book before, but I didn't see any crazy jump for those five books. And I was still learning. I think that I, as far as a series goes, I had different detectives. I probably did everything wrong in that series. I had a couple different detective point of views through that series. So you'd have to continue you have to get to book four to continue on but they they did all flow together but now now if I was going to do it over I probably could have led into each book a little bit better so they sort of just did okay I was plugging along and then the pilot's daughter came out and it just sold I don't know what it was but it just sold it was also my first standalone so I think that there was a lot to that you know, I think some people don't want to start with book four of your series if they haven't read your series. So after that, I've done quite a few more standalones just for that um, purpose. But so that was really fun. And I actually, when I was writing that book, I thought this probably isn't really going to be a big seller. It was a little bit off brand for me because I'd been sticking with this series. And this was about a plane that gets hijacked to Seattle. It wasn't part of my series. But my dad is a retired airline pilot. And I just had the story idea and I thought it would be fun to ask him. Like I kind of wanted to write it for more of a personal desire to just be able to work with my dad on this book and and do it for fun. And then it, it just, it just sold like crazy. That's incredible. So it's a brilliant book. So that's partly why it sold, but you know, as an indie author, great books sit on the shelves and no one knows about them sometimes. So getting it into the people's hands and so you're sort of the anti-indie author method, right? Because uh, selling a series is kind of the way and building the, the audience across the series. And then you hit them with a standalone and it goes big outside of the audience that you already had, which is brilliant. So you did something right with your marketing. Yeah. And I, that was my first book. I was running um, a lot of Facebook ads. Well, I started small just on the pre-order, but I could tell that I was getting pre-orders, getting sales. So I just was able to keep turning up my marketing. And I still find that that book I'm able to run ads on and, you know, get conversions. And I can't do that on all of my books. Some books just do not do well with ads. And so there is just something about that. It's funny that I also think there seems to be some times of year 
My book, The Final Hunt, is more of a snowy, wintry thriller. And I'm finding that this time of year, the ads are doing better on that. I'm able to run more ads, whether that's because people are in the mood to uh, read a winter thriller in winter. But it is it is interesting, the whole marketing thing that goes behind that. And some things you just don't know necessarily what it is that makes a book sell because you're it's exactly right like you said you know you lots of books sit on the shelves they're good books they've got a good cover a good description and why some go to the top of Amazon and some don't is a little bit of a guessing game yeah and there's there's so much to getting a foot in the door right it's a it's a like a I, I don't know how to best describe it but like with Amazon basically it's algorithms so if you get it selling a little bit good Amazon starts pumping it and it'll sell better and if that really catches then that escalates it and then keeping it up there, constantly keeping it up there with the uh, promotions and stuff. So it keeps the algorithms going. Uh, we said this before we started talking, like every time I see your, you do a promotion, the next thing I know is that pilot's daughter's top of the list on, in the same, yes, we share the same genre. So yeah, we are always. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That book is still my biggest seller and it, it is, it does seem to be the um, probably that book in the final hunt, the easiest one to run with ads where I have other books where, yeah, I feel like I just, maybe I haven't figured out the secret sauce with that book. You know, that you. <laughs> the title is one thing to me, it's the title is intriguing immediately and the cover matches it. And you know what genre you're going to get. It's uh, I think you, you nailed it on all fronts. So your dad's a retired airline pilot. Have you ever taken flying lessons? He's given me a couple lessons, and I think we both thought we were going to die. I don't know actually <laughs> why. <laughs> I, looking back, I don't know why he gave me the second lesson because I think maybe, I think maybe he just wanted to make sure: is this really my kid? Is she really this bad of a pilot? And we were both scared, and it was like, okay, you could maybe you should go in the medical field or something yeah. else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this just is not for you. So I feel like getting to write those is fun because I get to live that out a little bit, you know, in uh, without putting anyone in danger, you know. <laughs> you can always be like, you know, I- I'm writing a flying scene, so we just we talk. We'll sit in the cockpit. You don't have to take off. <laughs> yeah. Did okay. you write some of the flying scenes and then hand it to him? And go, hey, is this okay? And he's like, the plane can't do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was, that was really fun. Actually, we did a lot of back and forth with that. And I think it was during COVID when I was toward the end of writing the pilot's daughter. So it was, you know, we weren't seeing each other a lot in person, but it was fun for us to be able to put our heads together and for me to ask him and send him scenes and send it back. And and yes, it was, it was fun to pick his brain and say, could this happen? So I thought that was really fun. I've actually just finished a new standalone. It's going to be, it's it got picked up by a publisher. So it'll be coming out in January, 2025, but it also takes place mostly on a commercial flight. And so I got to go back writing this and pick my dad's brain about the cockpit scenes. And so that was fun again. You said you're working on two projects at the same time. So that's one project. What's the other one? Um, The other one is a sequel to The Final Hunt. Yes. So, and this is, it's fun writing that in winter. Uh, It was snowing the other day while I was working on that one. So yeah, so that's fun to get. And it's, it's kind of fun, like writing a sequel and getting to kind of get to know the characters again and get to go back in that setting. I really enjoyed writing The Final Hunt, went up to Alaska when I was working on it. And so it's fun to go back and kind of get like, you get to relive it again a little bit. 
What's the title of that? Is it called The Real Final Hunt? Because we thought The Final Hunt was The Final Hunt, but it wasn't. There's another one. It's going to be The Last Hunt. Ah. Yes. But we don't believe you anymore. (laughs) 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 You already told us that was the last one. The the next one will be the... We're almost done with so this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Got you again. Hey, there's another you know one. What, they, there's, you know, they didn't end on Endgame with Avengers. They still make them, so That's it, true. it makes perfect sense, you know. So do you think doing the follow-up, was that more difficult? I mean, you know, you talk about that, or would you like, was it just easy to jump into it and get going on it? I think in some ways it's easier because you know what your characters would do. And most, you know, rather than when you start fresh, you have to think everybody up all new and who, and then who are they really and what would they really do and all of those things. So it did take me a little bit because it's been a little while since the final hunt came out. So I did have to go back and read the final hunt and, and get, get back. So I think getting back into that mindset a little bit took me some time, but now that I'm there, I feel like it's flowing pretty good. You do know them, yes, because they are they are kind of a part of you. Like I know that you know I know what Chase Gordon's going to think, and Nick's all over Nora and his AJ series. But you know, yeah, it's easy to kind of jump back into adding new characters sometimes. But that doesn't mean like readers still come in and go, "Would he really do that?" (laughs) Yes, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself I'll I'll write something. They become your friends, right? I mean, you you know them intimately. I mean, you have emotions about these characters and uh especially we we write long series so you really get very intimate with them and uh you go through their highs and lows so sometimes i'll write something and i'll go uh no she wouldn't say that (laughs) that's not right (laughs) and you go back and the other thing that really changed it for me was doing audiobooks when i started doing audiobooks and my characters had a voice they had voices in my head but when the narrator uh, and I, Kim Breton's a marvelous narrator that does my stuff. And with both AJ and Nora, I hear their voices and some of the other characters she does. You l- literally hear them saying it in Kim's voice in, <laughs> of the character in your in your head. And it makes it, uh, I think it makes the dialogue uh, clearer and stuff. Yes. And I always think that's fun to get to listen to the audiobook after you've written the book, because it does bring it to life a little bit. Um, and I, I think that's fun. Yes. And I think once you hear it, like you said, it can stick in your head about who, yeah, what they sound like now. And yeah, it makes it a little more tangible for sure. I don't know. I hate listening to the audiobook when I have to quality check it. That's one of my oh. least favorite things to do. Yes. Because <laughs> then I start listening to it. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that. I, <laughs> I forget what I've written. So I listened to it. Yeah. And, oh, I totally yeah. do. And then I'm like, yeah. uh, well, that doesn't, why did I even say that's a terrible phrase? Like, you know, I get lost in the story and I'm terrible at QCing the audio because I just listen to it. <laughs> and I, lo- I love listening to Kim. So. I'm more like that, Nick. I think I forget what I've written and I, I enjoy the story. I find myself thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's why my wife fortunately does my QC on my audio books now because I suck at Oh, it. that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. That's she's, nice. She's a big help with it. So Only One Lie branches more into historical fiction, right? It does, yes. Was that kind of another whim? Was that like, you know, you really wanted to be in that area? That book, I had the story idea for that. And so I knew it was off of my modern day thrillers is because it's my only book set in 1942. But I really love that era. So that was another one that I thought this probably isn't 
I didn't really write it from a marketing standpoint, more from I have this story. I love this time. I'm going to um, I'm going to do this. It's still set in Seattle, like most of my books um, still has very similar pacing, but it is different in the historical mystery part. So marketing that was a little bit of a bear because it was so different from the modern day thrillers. But I love reading historical fiction and historical thrillers. And so I really enjoyed the research and, and writing that book. I have seen now that it's come out, it does hit a little bit of a different audience than the rest of my books. I would like to do another one and build that audience up as well on the side. But since doing that, it was a little bit of a one-off for me. I've gone back to doing modern day thrillers, but I do have an idea for another book set in that time that is in the back Call of my Only head. one more lie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and another lie. <laughs> that's, 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 when you start doing the uh, series and, and, and things like that, you start thinking about what well, can I title this so that I can come up with another one later on. So, yes. Yeah, you guys start. Yes. So you do set most of yours in, in Seattle. So almost all your books are set in Seattle. Yep, except for um, the one I just wrote that's on a commercial flight. That one is the flights going from Anchorage to New York. So that one, uh, the, one of the characters grew up in Seattle, so I was able to throw it in. But the rest of them all take place in Seattle, at, at least for part of the book. Yes, and that's where I grew up, so it makes it easy. So that's a good question. So how do you balance like portraying a city that you love and you grew up in with you know all the murder and killing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Seattle, I feel like Seattle is kind of funny because there are so many infamous serial killers that come from the Pacific Northwest that I feel like that is almost already there. There's a little bit of darkness in in Seattle that I feel like you can pull out in some of the books. And so I think Seattle works well with murder and just the the rainy, dreary winters. Um, but then it is so beautiful in the summer. I mean, it's so stunningly beautiful at the same time. So I feel like Seattle and murder go hand in hand to me. It just does. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is, it all the, is it all the caffeine and coffee you guys are drinking? Maybe you're maybe, amped up. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yes. Up, to... <laughs> <laughs> I love that the tourist be. board are going to be getting hold of you, Audrey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle and murder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. And it's, it's a fun, I feel like it's a fun place with the Puget Sound and, you know, it has everything. It has mountains, it has the water, it has the city, it has um, ferries. And so I, I really enjoy writing in that setting too. I think there's lots of places you can take the story to get it all, except for sunshine and palm trees. Yeah. Like you guys have. <laughs> Tro there's no tropical storms. You can always come down and, and take your characters to the Keys or the, you know, <laughs> you know. I should do that. Yes. You know, Baja, someplace nice where they can yes. have some. Are you an outdoorsy person? You're, you're right in the center of some great, you know, wilderness and mountains. Yes. I love hiking, being outside. Yes, definitely. My wife and I uh, walked up to the top of Rainier a few years back. It was uh, really bucket list uh, stuff. So it was, uh, I say walk up. It's uh, It's a steep, long, high walk, but... Yes, that's quite a hike. That's impressive. Yeah, we had crampons and, and ice axes and tied in a, in a group. We did the whole bit. Yeah, it was really, really cool. We, we built up to it. We were getting into doing all that kind of stuff. We'd done a couple, but we only did a couple of uh, kind of uh, smaller mountains beforehand. And uh, then we signed up for that. So it was, uh, but really cool. And what a, it's a beautiful area. I used to go for, uh, used to be in car racing and we'd go up to Seattle area. Believe it or not, there's a racetrack outside of Seattle called Seattle International Raceway. 
not sure where they got the international part from because like nobody knows about it. It's a drag strip. And then it, then it's a little bit of asphalt that winds through the woods in the back. And it was incredibly dangerous. It was a really cool track. We were going to start a race there one time. There's a small airport nearby. And I guess this guy thought this was the small airport. So he lines up on the drag strip because it's this long straight and it's the front straight for the racetrack. And the cars are on the race cars are on their warm up lap behind the pace car. And this plane starts like little Cessna comes over the trees, like rap, 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 coming into land. And we're going out on the drag strip, like waving him off, radioing the pace car, like uh, stop the cars on the back. We got a plane coming in. Nick, how, how have you not ever added that into a book? That's I know, a isn't that crazy? For a book, right there. It was nuts. Know. It was the funniest thing ever. And he got about thirty feet off the ground, and it, close enough that we could see the whites of his eyes, and his eyes got really big, and he and took off again. Oh wow. <laughs> There you go. See, now you need to save that location, Audrey, and use it for uh, next yes. pilot's daughter. Yes, so there you go. Like, like land scene. it on, this, on a speedway. That'd be kind of cool. My gift to you. It's yours. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, I can see that scene already playing out. That's <laughs> ah, awesome. So and you've got the last hunt coming up and another another book coming up. What else do you got on your agenda coming up here? Well, I, I feel like for now, that's kind of my plate is full. Um, juggling those two. I do have an idea for another Emerald City thriller that I would like to do. I'll have to see whether I can get that one out in the next year. Uh, but it is, I, I would like to, if I'm able to swing it. And then I will be working on um, a second book for um, that publisher that will be coming out a year after that one. So I'll be, uh, so probably when I'm done with the Final Hunt sequel, I'll be moving on to that next book, unless I can get that Emerald City Thriller going. And I might work on that on the side just to get that Start writing going a couple books well. at the same time. You might be like, oh, I got time to, yes. to, to jump on that too. So. <laughs> yeah. Our, our math on what time we have is brilliant. We're just like, hey, another 2,000 words a week. We could write a chapter a week. This will be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it does not. It very rarely works out like we think it does. So, yes. I um, always think I can do about double in my head of what I can actually yes, do. Yes. So I have to tell myself, you know, like remind myself how long it takes me to actually write a book. <laughs> yeah. And but, all the other stuff, right? The marketing yes. and uh, everything else that you have to do, which is uh, takes up more time than the writing takes. That's true. Yes. So we do have uh, one final question for you. Okay. Um, listen to us all, but we do have a fabulous little wheel of questions. Oh, okay. You can kind of see our little wheel. Okay, um, this is fun. Yes. So you try to. But you, you haven't heard the question yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like true. a truth or dare thing. Yeah. No. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we have the sound effects, so you get the little. Okay. Rattly. So I spoke too soon on the. This is fun. <laughs> oh no, it's fun. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. So let's see. Oh, so if you could have dinner with someone. Living or dead, you know, one dinner. Who would you pick? Dolly Parton. Good choice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Excellent choice. And she's the first lady of Tennessee, you know. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so. okay. Good. Yes. Yes. I think mm-hmm. she is an I impressive lady. The more she I is. learned about her and everything she does for other people and the community and stuff, she is amazing. Yes. I've always been a big Dolly Parton fan, and I think, yes, I love Dolly, and she seems like she's always been just such a positive, vibrant personality that to meet her, I bet you would you would get to feel that. You know, she seems like she would be very fun. What about you, Doug? Oh, I don't know. Dolly Parton's pretty good, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd be tough. You know, you could pick, like, some of the writers that, like, I've, you know, I was a big John McDonald fan, but I have a feeling he was a bit of a 
not that much fun to hang around. <laughs> so, It'd be like Hemingway, right? You sit down with right, Hemingway, like Hemingway like, and he'd be like, what the hell do you want? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I may get to add Dolly as my new list because that's, that's probably a good one. She'd be delightful. She'd be fun to talk to, and that'd be kind of cool. I don't know. Nick, I get to talk to you all the time. You were on my list, but. <laughs> I, I, I checked that box less on so, my list yeah. when less I talked so to you. So, and, yeah. and Audrey, of course, we checked that box. Well, my dad, my dad, uh, unfortunately, I lost my dad a few years back, and I would desperately love to sit down and have uh, dinner with him one more time. But then, God, I mean, living or dead, there's so many people. There's some great race car drivers uh, that we've lost that I'd, I'd love to, to sit down and have a conversation with. Elvis. Elvis. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another Tennessean. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, would, Thank you uh, I wouldn't mind having a conversation. He wouldn't understand what I was saying. I probably wouldn't understand half of what he was saying, but I would like that. He's also a nice guy. Like, there's living in Memphis, especially it's kind of less now, but there's a point where everybody had a story about Elvis that was older than me. I mean, I was only two when he died. So, you know, the generation above that, like somebody knew Elvis at some point in Memphis, and they always had these great stories about how he would just pop into the local store and buy groceries for everybody or something weird, you know, so. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad this worked out (laughs) uh, that we could finally get together. And best of luck with everything you've got coming up and your release next year. We can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great to chat with you guys. And thank you, Audrey Cole. See, said she was a sweetheart. Isn't she lovely? Delight. She was wonderful. We have such delightful people on here. We have. We've been pretty lucky with having some wonderful guests. Thank God, because we're a pair of knuckleheads. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. So what's, what's going on in your world right now? Well, we're here in California, as I think we've mentioned, and it's been lovely. It did rain the other day. Yeah, it rained for once. So we are going to South Carolina, just south of Charlotte, just south of the North Carolina border where my brother is. And my mom's flying out from Colorado, so we're going to have holidays with them, which we're looking forward to. That's going to be uh, great. We went, uh, it was uh, our wedding anniversary just the other day, and we went to the Stevie Nicks concert. How many years? 23. I I made sure that we got married in the year 2000 so that all I had to do was know what year we're in, and that's our anniversary. Yeah. That's probably the smartest thing you've ever done. It probably is. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Next to marrying Cheryl, that is probably the smartest thing you've ever done. Like you, you like combine two of your most, and then you're done. Like I'm not doing anything else smart the rest of my life because you've done the two (laughs) you needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It works out. So 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. And unbelievably, she's still, uh, Still pulling up with me, which is marvelous. So, yeah, we went to the Stevie Nicks concert. I saw Stevie in the end of October. It was a great yeah, show. Yeah, you and Ashley so. went, right? Great show. I was really impressed. Really she's entertaining. Phenomenal. She was fun. I mean, Stevie Nicks could sing Baby Shark to me and I let her because, man, she's got a great voice. I just love her voice. So it, It's so much character. It's so distinctive, right? And she was... Because at least the show we did, like she's very like told a lot of stories about how they, I loved it, how they came up a gold dust woman, and you know the different things. It was it was really cool. So you should have asked her to show up for us, but yeah, yeah, you wait out back for her and like say, hey, you want to be on our show? Yeah, <laughs> would you mind coming on the two horses chat show? I haven't written a book, but you might want to. Okay. Oh, we had Champagne Sunday on here. We've had some. We need yeah. We musicians aren't bad, so oh yeah, we should have some more musicians on. That'd be great. What have you been up to, Doug? 
Well, I just uh, just had a release last week with Playa, Playa de los Muertos. Which is awesome. Came out, so, yeah, it's been fun to do. So getting ready to get ready for the holidays and stuff, which will be fun. Nothing huge planned. We're going to do most of it around here. And then after Christmas, we plan to go down to you know South Florida, do a little bit of diving, and have enjoy some time down there. So Very cool. That, yeah, this you know, our next show comes out. It'll be somewhere down there kind of. Hopefully where it's warm because I'm tired of this. It hasn't even been that cold here. It's just been in the 50s, but, you know, I'm not built for that. I'm built for Speedos. I'm built for Speedos and boat decks. That's what oh, my God. Let's leave everyone with that. So our next guest will be Nate Van Coop, who under Nathan Van Coop, he writes time travel thrillers. And recently under Nate Van Coop, because he's a sneaky devil with the naming, he did a tropical author book called uh, Tropic. Angel, which is uh, done, done really well for the first book out in in that genre, and um, he'll be on the show next. Great guy, that's great. Yeah. So uh, until then, remember to subscribe to the show, give us a five star review. We need some some new reviews. Come on and you know like our social media. So yeah, yeah. Follow us on social. We got a uh, Facebook page and uh, try and keep up with it a wee bit. So uh, follow us on there. And uh, check out the show notes for links to our books, our social media, and our guests' information. Um, so if you want to uh, get uh, Audrey Cole's books, then there's a link in the show notes. And look for new episodes every two weeks. But before that, don't forget also, we just added on your store some nice little mugs that have our face on them. Our mugs are on mugs. That's right. If you're sitting at home and you're like, I'd like to have my coffee, and I want two ugly sons of bitches staring at me while I do it. <laughs> You can go on uh, to to Nick's store there and purchase pictures of our faces. It's perfect. Yeah, so. ajbaileygear.com or go to harveybooks.com. Either way, you can find your way to the store, and there's mugs for sale. So uh, show your support of the show and grab a mug. Great to point that out. Thank you. All right. Until next time, be cool to each other. Fair winds and following the seas. You've been listening to the Two Authors Chat Show with Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt.